What's up, everyone? Podcast number three, where we are joined by another Northwestern grad in Lauren Murray. Lauren won several Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week awards during her time and is now a WPLL defensive stud. She goes over her transition from offense to defense. She talks about the growth of lacrosse. And most importantly, she talks about being yourself and being authentic. It was a very inspiring podcast, and we're excited for you guys to listen to Lauren Murray. Hope you guys enjoy. For sure. Are you with your roommates? Yeah, they're all in their home offices, and now I'm in mine. Um, I live with Taylor Thornton, who was a senior at Northwestern when I was a freshman, uh, and she just started a new gig at Morgan Stanley, um, like moved across the country from LA where she was acting and uh, doing some modeling stuff out there. So like total 180. Yeah, wow. Um, so she's in there and then Lydia Cassida, who is a year behind me at Northwestern, she works at a division within uh, Omnicom. So the phones are always hot here and then there's me. <laughs> yeah, what are you looking to, what's your, what are you looking to get into job hunt wise? Yeah, I could go a couple different ways. So I'm trying to narrow it down. My experience is in, like I was at Viacom right after school uh, and I was working in like their internal full service creative shop, um, which I really enjoyed. And we were working on all the cross network ad campaigns and show integrations and um, experiential marketing and a ton going on there. Uh, and then after that, I joined a startup in digital advertising and ad technology. Um, was with them for about two years. Started working in like a sales marketing, enterprise marketing, product marketing, total hybrid role. Um, so two like very different organizational experiences. So I'm hoping I think next move to go somewhere in the middle. Um, but I enjoy media uh, and, and brand development. So TBD, stay tuned. <laughs> Uh, well, hopefully, hopefully you're helping us with a little brand development right now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so what's your, uh, how much are you, how much time are you spending on lacrosse right now? What's your, uh, what's lacrosse looking like in your life these days? Well, pre-corona, it was taking up um, a pretty good chunk. So I was coaching, well, I was planning to coach a couple different teams. Um, my old club team which was formerly New Lax, but is now Gold Coast Lacrosse, which is based up in Wilton, Connecticut. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was helping those guys out for our 2022 class, big summer for them, um, and doing mostly tournament and some, you know, leadership building and mentality stuff with them. Mm -hmm. And then I had a group in Manhattan called Downtown Giants, uh, which I was helping with a couple days a week for some like fourth and fifth graders. So that's a new program um, for coaching. And then I got roped into coaching youth basketball through that organization too. So that was interesting. Uh, and then playing, I'm playing for the New York Athletic Club and the WPLL. So it was taking up a fair amount. Um, you know, I, it's always been my sort of like break and refreshment period from work or anything else that was going on. Mm -hmm. um, so it's definitely always been like a little escape, if you will. Right. Do you know Brian Edmonds at all? Yeah. He run the, yeah, the NIAC 
So we went down to Ocean City a couple times with him. Yeah. And did you, have you checked out his, uh, his new company? The yeah, he's actually, uh, that's my best friend's dad. And so I was actually there the other week and I was checking out his place. They got two trucks running around Connecticut. It's very cool. So I'm yeah. doing what he loves. Absolutely. He's awesome. We went up to Placid last year with the athletic club and um, he had, you know, a bunch of, bunch of merch that he was handing out. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, well, I guess we'll get started. I mean, it's, it's sort of what we try to do is have a conversation, but for the most part, try to listen to what uh, sort of your story and okay. I, I text you the premise and everything. But uh, for the most part, in the beginning, we're going to do like an intro for you on the side. So we don't really need to uh, talk about that, but I guess we'll jump into uh, what you are up to right now, I guess, how you're ba balancing lacrosse. Um, obviously, WPL has not started, uh, but now in the job hunt sphere. So uh, I know a lot of lacrosse players, it's hard to juggle. Um, so why do you continue to juggle that and uh, play lacrosse, I guess, as of right now? Yeah, great. Um, it's so funny. I think as athletes, we're able to, you know, draw upon life experience to affect, you know, the way that we play our game and skill build and build relationships with our teammates uh, and all of that good stuff. And I've been fortunate too to have it sort of go both ways and take, you know, what I've learned from athletics into everything from working with a team at work or now, you know, as I'm networking and trying to find my next opportunity. Um, so I think it, it is truly all about balance and just kind of anchoring yourself in those key fundamentals of like, what are your goals? You know, is it a couple touch points or like something that's measurable regarding making new connections or is it getting in the right mindset mentality? Is it doing, you know, your homework? Like I find myself actively like, watching film, but in the professional world, which is, you know, you're scraping LinkedIn, like you're looking up uh, potential contacts, things like that, researching companies. Um, so I think right now, uh, I'm definitely, while I can't be on the field as a player, <laughs> um, I'm definitely still acting like a lacrosse player in the rest of my life um, for the ups and the downs and, and knowing how to, uh, you know, bounce back if, if something doesn't go super well or I can do better at it and uh, just constantly, you know, pivoting and, and making real time change. That's awesome. I would say just for me and just playing in the professional realm and as a kid growing up, I never was like, I want to be a professional lacrosse player. And when people ask, they're like, uh, maybe even why do you do it? Or like, oh, there's professional lacrosse. And uh, don't you want to focus your time more on your work and uh, do something like a real job per se? Mm -hmm. uh, I guess I'll ask you is like, why do you continue to play? And uh, is it the competition that you want or is it the game itself? I guess uh, along those lines. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a little bit of all of those things. Um, I think first and foremost for me, it's been about the people uh, and building something really special because um, like you said, pro lacrosse didn't exist when we were little. I mean, I think about when I was learning the sport mm -hmm. and like every single one of our positions had a different name. Like we didn't run midi lines. We had like an a left attack wing and on defense, we had like point cover point, like things have come such a long way. 
uh, you know, with the sport, how it's played, how it's seen around the world. Um, so being a part of growth like that and, and helping leadership build out their vision for the next generation of players is definitely something that's close to my heart. Uh, and then personally, I think, you know, I've had such a great opportunity through coaching and being on the tournament circuit uh, and then playing, just like reconnecting with my friends, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and a lot of whom were college and high school rivals. And yeah. so building new relationships, whether we're teammates now or, uh, you know, we've taken trips together with the WPLL or whatever it is, just like having these bonds where even though we've only known each other really a couple of years, and if you string together all of the days that we've hung out, like less than a year total, uh, but they're, they're some of my strongest relationships in my life because we have so much in common. So definitely about the people, definitely about being a part of something bigger than myself. Uh, and then, you know, of course, we're all a little bit competitive, right? So having that opportunity for, you know, adrenaline rush and, and getting to really test yourself and your athleticism is, is always something that'll be, you know, in our core. 100%. You mentioned kind of just being a part of like something that's bigger than yourself and like helping grow the game and stuff like that. If you kind of look at the future of lacrosse and kind of just how you've seen it progress just through, through your life so far. Where do you see lacrosse for, especially for women's lacrosse, where do you see that in, in 10 years from now? And kind of where do you see like the growth going? Like, what are some things that you think would, you, you'd like to see change? Or we kind of ask like, you know, if, if you see best case scenario 10 years down the line, but if we had, if we were able to give you unlimited resources to try to kind of plant the seed to get it to that best case scenario in say a year, um, what would you do? And kind of where do you see that going either way? Yeah, it's so hard because so much has changed in a really short time where we're, we're almost creating like micro generations of the sport, right? So when I got into college, the rule changes that I saw just in my four years uh, between like allowing defenders into the crease and adding a shot clock and uh, free movement and quick starts and all of a sudden, just like it changed the game so much. So I think, you know, I would be a strong proponent of continuing to advance the game, uh, you know, rule-wise where we're picking up the speed and the athleticism even more. Um, of course, always in a safe way and in a way that uh, it just becomes more fluid to watch at all levels uh, and to play. Um, I think the sport has grown tremendously throughout the country and the world. And, you know, obviously my head coach from college, Kelly Monte Hiller was uh, part of that foundation of growth across the country uh, and her coaching tree continues to build. Um, but certainly there are more programs to be started and developed uh, across all divisions. So there's definitely opportunity there. I think um, I'd like to see continued opportunity for someone who maybe traditionally wouldn't have exposure to lacrosse. And so that's why, you know, media partnerships and social media optimization and everything like that is super important just for generating exposure and interest. Uh, and then of course, you know, some more formal structures and uh, systems for actually sharing the game and getting sticks in kids' hands all over. Um, no matter who you are or where you're, where you come from, it's such a unique sport 
And then, I mean, 10 years, that gets us, that gives us that LA 2028 uh, that falls under the time umbrella. So of course, we'd love to see lacrosse become an Olympic sport. Um, you know, it's been so wonderful to see firsthand um, just the different ways in which different areas of the country just approach the game and game strategy. And I think, you know, from that experience, we'll continue to just lift each other up and become even more dynamic. So more opportunity, more exposure. Uh, I'll take those unlimited resources that you mentioned. Uh, and, you know, we'll just, we'll just hopefully make it even bigger and better. And you talk about, so you talk about growth and I guess I'll go backwards 10 years. And from our point, it's like, to have a coach like you, uh, to have other like pros being accessible to the youth, I think is huge. Mm -hmm. And like when I grew up, I never had any pros that I worked with or uh, had the chance to. It was always, almost like dads just stepping in and coaching us throughout. Uh, sort of what was your experience uh, growing up? Uh, who were your coaches and how did that uh, go unfold? Yeah, I mean, oh, I so many laughs. I was just reflecting with my family the other day on just – all of the memories, which I'm sure we can all share. Um, but I had, I had hilarious coaches growing up, like just big personalities, definitely like dads, moms, anyone who had extra time, uh, and played multiple sports. So growing up, like I started playing basketball and lacrosse the same year and in third grade. And my third grade lacrosse coach was my coach all the way up through my junior year of high school. Wow. Um, so that's like obviously a very unique experience to have someone sort of shepherding your growth through that entire period. Mm -hmm. So that's something that was super special to me. Um, and my basketball coach was my teammate's father. Uh, we ended up winning like it was our church basketball league and we won our fourth grade like archdiocese champ championship which was the big biggest deal in town and we have a banner hanging up in the uh, St. Mary's gym up in Katona New York um, and we've all kept in touch from that league and we actually even started a team in New York City like this year I was playing in an adult co-ed basketball league um, so I think what my coaches that I was fortunate enough to have they really drilled in just what it was to be an athlete and a player and a teammate and all of those core values. And we were never the most skillful team. Um, we just, we really had heart and just went for it so confidently. And I think now with so much more dynamic training available and, you know, you think about physical stuff, like you even watch what Shake School is doing on movements and, um, any sort of like footwork flows and stick work flows and things like that. Or you think about nutritional training uh, and mental health awareness. Like we're going to see, we're already seeing just a totally new generation of players. So it's sort of apples to oranges. And I think, you know, the better we can inform ourselves as players, the better we can turn around and be super positive and progressive role models for the next generation. Yeah, just kind of going back to that next generation type people, if you kind of look at yourself, put yourself back in your shoes when you were, say, 13, 14 years old, kind of getting ready to go into high school and stuff like that, 
what from your personal experience what would you tell yourself to to do the same and what would you tell yourself to do differently just kind of hindsight 2020 oh man um i think i would remind myself of something that my dad always said to me which was um just like don't be beige uh and it was always so annoying to me when he would, when I would come off the field or the court or something and he would be, I was like, how, what did, how do you think I played? And he was like, yeah, kind of beige. And just like blending in, like, he's like, you don't need, you know, a ton of points or like whatever to stand out, but like, go make a play, like go get physical in the paint, go, you know, hustle for a ground ball or like crash into the bleachers going for a back tip and basketball, like just go out there and, and have a presence uh, whether that be physical or vocal, um, I think is always just like such a great reminder to have to not just blend in and to actually take chances and take risks. Um, I think go like starting to go through the recruiting process at that point, and what I'm hoping to share with you know my uh, players now, even as summer tournaments are sort of in flux. Um, is just to, to not compare your journey to anyone else's because it is truly yours. Um, and, you know, there are so many different places and destinations in which you can thrive and be really happy. Uh, so, you know, just make sure that you're in tune to what you want yourself and, and certainly, you know, engage your, your family and friends and your coaches and your support staff uh, because they have, you know, another view and eyes on you. Um, but just like tap in and, and make sure that you're, you know, connecting with yourself and, and do like a little daily check-in or something like that is what I would share. Did you have somebody that you, uh, maybe not like a mentor, but somebody you looked up to that sort of pushed you and did you have that sort of drive within you or was that somebody like, Oh, I want to be like that person or I want to prove this to somebody else. Something like that growing up? Yeah, I think um, I think there's like a couple layers of that. I think I, I benefited really directly from just having like my teammates around me at all times. Like I was always transferring between seasons of sports. Um, and so on the daily basis, I was trying to learn from my teammates. And so part of that is just like being aware uh, and being observant and being able to process like what you're seeing in someone else and, and why you admire that in them and then trying to emulate it in your own style. So I think just, you know, on a, on a daily basis, and it, it could have been, you know, in the classroom too, if someone gave like a killer presentation or looked super confident in their foreign language class, which was always like my, uh, you know, panic moment was when I would have to speak. Um, just like witnessing that and then going up and asking them about it afterwards you know, and, and like, how did you get there? Like, is, what do you work on? What do you practice? Um, so that, and then of course, like, you know, I always had, uh, like athletic mentors or, or role models that I was looking at. And especially when I was starting to, uh, narrow down my list, uh, for, for colleges that I wanted to attend, uh, you know, I was, I was, focusing in on the Northwestern athletes and I was watching old film from Kelly herself and um, just the way that this team was doing things differently so I think probably like a more abstract answer to that question 
um, I didn't have like posters on my wall of like one individual person. It was more like, how can I crowdsource the best of what everyone is doing and then just like Frankenstein it into my own version. Um, but yeah, I've been really lucky to be around a number of people who were so open and willing to share with me uh, if you just ask. So yeah. 100%, that's huge. But did you have like growing up and you said you played basketball and lacrosse and you talked about have having moments of winning a championship and it felt probably like the biggest thing in the world. And I can attest to that so many different occurrences when I was 13, 15, I felt like that was the biggest stage. And did you have a time in your career growing up that you're like, like that aha moment that you're like, wow, I can do this and I do want to pursue it going into college. Did you have that moment? Was it early on or? Yeah, I think it's tough. I think, um, I knew I, I knew I wanted it, um, and I knew that I, with the su support of everyone around me, could will it to happen. Um, I remember having a day where someone came up to me and they were like, oh, did you hear about this program? Like, they do a lift at five in the morning. Like, doesn't that sound terrible? And I was like, no, that kind of sounds awesome. Like, and wanting to, like, fully have lacrosse be part of my or most of my college experience and you know my life um, so I'm not I'm not sure if there was ever a moment where it was like an I can do this but more of a this is what I want and these are the steps that I'm gonna have to take to get there and if I look at it just in terms of like one thing at a time or one conversation or you know one skill that I'm working on um, it was much more digestible for me and that's carried over even to, you know, how I teach defense is uh, we're not thinking about a full, you know, shot clock set that we have to um, keep people away from the goal. Like, I want you to be thinking about what your positioning is in this three to five second slice of time, because there's so much moving around us that this is now obsolete in the next three to five seconds. So just like taking things one piece at a time um, and feeling like at least like you can get there. You can do one more of anything, just like sort of breaking it up. Um, yeah. You were talking about uh, just kind of like how things have changed, just like with like athletes now, just having all these different types of like tools for nutrition and getting different types of information for getting different types of workouts and stuff like that. When did you start like really taking that type of stuff more seriously in your career? Start like focusing on nutrition, focusing on really how you were working out with like more purpose and stuff like that. And kind of what has that journey looked like for you? And if, has, if there's been anything that you've tried out and maybe didn't work out for you or anything that is like a staple in your life now and your routines and habits, kind of what's that journey looked like for you just on educating yourself and trying some different things out and when you got really serious about it? Yeah, I mean, it definitely didn't start for me until college, like really focusing on it. Uh, we always had like a, a very balanced and healthy household growing up, um, but it didn't start to be part of my like active focus until I got to college and they had a couple seminars on like, you know, what makes a good daily, you know, nutrition plan or weekly or monthly, all of these things and um, focusing on what certain workouts require for, you know, pre, uh, fueling and then post recovery, um, as far as like nutrition goes. And then 
physically, I think I, I was really fortunate to not have any sort of serious ailments until the end of my sophomore year in college when I slipped a couple discs in my back. Um, and so I was never in treatment. I like barely stretched. I was just like cruising on through and then totally messed up my spine uh, and had to really take a beat and um, focus in and listen to my body on what it needed and put the time in. And you know, you have a two or three hour practice session that now turns into six hours of pre and post making sure that you know, you're gonna be good for the next day or the next game. Um, so that was big for me. And then I think also transitioning into, uh, you know, my life now, just because both of those time periods, like going into college, it was the first time that I was really taking care of myself. Right. And then, and that was as a college athlete and now taking care of myself, but as like a non-collegiate athlete, professional human trying to balance it all. Um, you know, I was working like a nine to six job. Uh, I'm not like doing karaoke's on the way to the subway. Like it's uh, definitely become more of uh, a focus of mine, and I'm trying out a plant-based diet right now. Um, so I'm on like week four of that, which I'm actually really enjoying. How's, um, it, how's it like? How's your body been feeling from that? Really good. Really? Yeah, really, really good. Um, I feel, and I've been like coupling it with some new like. Hit training and we haven't been able to really go outside in New York so my room is now also my gym and my office and everything else um, but just really working on body and core and strength training uh, you know just in like small space with no equipment and then eating well hydrating we can always be hydrating more um, but it's been working so far I'm, I'm pleased with results and I definitely think I'm gonna continue it what are what your like, like? typical meals like with yeah. uh, the plant-based so many veggies um we do in corona time we've been doing like a weekly grocery haul it's our social event of the week where we walk up to the whole foods and just like load up uh and i'm just i'm so heavy produce and i've gotten really crafty with like learning how to manipulate kale into so much variety where i'm not getting like tired of it or i'm not like i'm eating leaves you know um so like a daily big into oatmeal in the morning with like some nut butter or uh and fruit maybe some coconut chips in there probably do a salad a grain salad uh with a ton of veggies in the afternoon and then another variation of that at night um and i have like a plant-based protein powder that i work into like a post-workout shake um, and I've, had to, I've cut out tortilla chips because that was my nemesis, and I really miss them, but <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> when do you work out? How do you mix it in? Do you, like, in the mornings or when does it happen? Yeah, I've been doing it um, in the afternoons, mostly just because, the like, the running paths here are less crowded because everybody's at work. <laughs> right. So when you're trying to go in, like, those – peak pre-work hours or post it's so so hectic on the running path so I have been doing afternoons but now it's starting to get kind of hot so I might shift into the morning um and then maybe finish with like some sort of a stretching routine or or loose pilates or something at the end uh the end of the day to just like 
before jumping into bed. Is this like a temporary, are you doing this for a three month period or are you trying to do this, trying to be a lifer with the, this type of diet? You know, I'm not, I'm not like super hardcore. Like yeah. I definitely uh, have like exceptions and like I don't really prepare meat for myself, but if I go out and I feel like I'm craving it for whatever reason, I'll definitely listen to my body and tap in. Um, I'm not really sure. Like it, it has a loose end date. I think if I get sick of it or, uh, you know, I start a different training regimen that requires a different, you know, nutrient balance than I would tap in, but I'm pretty happy with it right now. And, um, it's definitely not like a struggle to satiate my hunger or anything like that. Like everything's tasty and you know, you get to do stuff, you get to cook. It's great. Yeah. That's awesome. I was thinking, uh, just obviously speaking to kids and working with kids and, uh, you talked about, you just had an active focus when you got to college and obviously now taking more, being pro more proactive. I don't want to say biggest regret, but is there any times that, uh, when you're at middle school or high school that you put in, like your investment of time was uh, poorly done or you, you wish you did something better? Uh, not like a regret, but you did what you did more of, or you wish you did less of in a nutrition uh, way, in a workout way, or a lacrosse way? Yeah, I think um, across the board, I've always been a bit of a procrastinator. And so whether it was with schoolwork or with training or with meal prep, um, I think I probably could have prepared better and more consistently to probably have made like better choices and ones that like wouldn't have stressed me out so much but I always left things up to the last minute so then it's sort of like you just gotta figure it out and get it done so I think if I could go back now and there's so much more available uh to consume when it comes to like helpful you know personal development content and things like that even like entertainment content um or like I don't know, like teaching yourself a new skill or something online that if I had not just like wasted all the time getting up to, you know, the, the hour where I had to then get everything done, I think I probably would have been a little bit more balanced in my mentality. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that I try on a daily basis, even now to curb and just like, why would I push that off to tomorrow? Even though we push this recording to today instead of yesterday but like uh try to just get things done as soon as they cross your mind uh, and then you know you'll end up feeling much more how do you do that how do you just in terms of like it's one thing to say it but is there something you try to work on to not procrastinate yeah uh i think networking has been a, a great challenge for that uh just because it's never um come super easily for me to just like drum up conversation out of thin air um or like purposeful questions or you know whatever it is so it's actually been a pretty unique case study now because it's something that's not comfortable for me so your natural reaction right is to like push it off and like oh yeah let's let's chat next week not today not this week yeah. you know so i've just been making myself book things like back to back to back let's set it up can you introduce me to three new people thanks so much like i'll follow up with you right now after the call. So I'm hoping that carries over. Um, and I think 
also getting fitness back into the morning will probably help mm-hmm. with that too. But I agree. I think, um, actions certainly speak louder than words. So we'll have to have a part two and I'll tell you how it's going. All right. Awesome. You mentioned, uh, just having like a lot of different like content, like social media accounts and like content just that can help, help you extract value and like apply it to wherever in your life. What are some of your favorite accounts that you're following that have you've gotten a lot of good value out of and you are finding beneficial, whether it be helping you find new ways to train with the cross, helping you out with your diet, or just what are you what are your favorite accounts to follow and, and digest? Yeah. Um I think lacrosse wise uh, I'm, you know, I'm blessed to be in, in a strong network of friends who are in the coaching space or in, you know, that like influential lacrosse coaching space where they're posting, you know, training videos, even like Kylie O'Miller launched an app, KO17 app, um, highly recommend, like so awesome and like very baller of her from a businesswoman perspective. Um, so something like that, I'm definitely always tuning into also because I guard her most often in this in the WPLL season so I'm trying to figure out what she's working on um I think what else have I been watching I'm trying to get back into the podcast game so this is very kismet timing um my brother had turned me on to a podcast called business wars which unpacks like all of the biggest fortune 500 rivalries from their origin stories so you take like a walmart versus an amazon or a coke versus pepsi starbucks versus duncan uh and it it takes you like totally behind the scenes on um you know how they each had ebbs and flows and reacted to one another and just like how the competition evolved so from like a branding perspective and a marketing perspective that's something that's super interesting to me to get behind the scenes on, you know, just like the story of enterprise growth through time. Um, you know, I'm always flipping through TikTok, Instagram. These kids are coming up with very entertaining stuff. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just pinning it, saving it for later. For later. Uh, I think what's great is there's so much that's already been created but there's so much that's being created every day so sometimes it can be overwhelming to keep up um and i think one thing too is i'm also trying to get out there and create my own stuff whether it's publishing or not (laughs) um but like getting super creative on how i'm training or how i'm coaching like every wednesday night i've been hosting an instagram live for my club team where i have no equipment i have my stick and like a loose area where like children sometimes run into frame like we're really bare bones here um but finding creative ways to to train so it's like definitely be a consumer of content but also take that into like creating your own and again whether you're filming it publishing it whatever but just like continuing to bring that into like a creator perspective i also just want to mention have you heard of uh the podcast how i built this it's like an NPR podcast. Yes. I was going to say, you should check that out because that's kind of like the same idea as what you were talking about, that Business War podcast. And you literally can just scroll through and just hear stories from all the founders from different companies and they obviously label them. But Amazing. that's one that I've definitely found uh, beneficial and helped help me out trying to start stuff like this and just get some inspiration, get some ideas from different people. Yeah. Fantastic. I know. And, and uh, Gary Vaynerchuk is another big name, of course. He's uh, very outspoken. 
Um, Big Gary V guys. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> uh, but I guess going uh, off like how you sort of change and have been creative with your workouts, have you in the last like five years or even two, has there been new habits or change in your workouts that you've sort of focused on? Yeah, I have. I've tried a ton of things and I've tried a lot of things that didn't work for me. Um, but then I've also found stuff that I really love. So like I was doing the class pass thing for a bit and I was able to book like a couple different sessions at different studios around New York city. And, um, I found that I really enjoyed any sort of a workout that like switched between like a floor or a treadmill, like back and forth a couple times or like a Barry's boot camp or like, um, there was this place called switch playground where it's literally like 21 stations or 20, however many stations. And it's two minutes at each station and you rotate around the whole room. So it's like having that variety, um, where you don't feel like you're mentally checking out as you're doing reps has been most important for me because I think if I'm doing anything for too long, like I'm trying to distract myself and then I'm not getting like the total muscle memory benefit of what's going on. Um, so I like a ton of variety. I think every day that I get older, my muscles get tighter. So I'm trying to work in more regular stretching and rolling out. Um, I started biking again. And by again, I mean like I biked as a child through the neighborhood and then never again. <laughs> so um, if like running was ailing a knee or an ankle or something, uh, historically I would sort of just like take a break. Um, and now I'm like in the city bike network where I'll knock out, you know, just like a 10 miler and feel really good and loose and get my heart rate up. So I think um just increasing variety like i've always been a multi-sport athlete and benefited from just like different training and accessing different muscle groups in different ways so trying to replicate that in this new age of life um and in my new lifestyle so yeah i think just variety has been big for me that's huge and i think for a professional lacrosse player especially is like you have to rely on yourself a ton, obviously, to work out, to be in shape. Uh, did you have a trainer growing up, and do you sort of base your workout, uh, workouts now uh, that you do alone off the stuff you learned, or how do you uh, how did your workouts progress? Yeah, I never had, like, anyone personal to me. We, when I got into high school, we would do some team workouts at, like, a CrossFit studio mm -hmm. nearby. Um, so that was helpful to like have an understanding of what like a circuit looks like instead right. of just like me in my home gym, just like pulling on stuff and not really knowing what it was doing. Um, and then I think college was so great cause we actually did have a trainer uh, who would explain to us, you know, why we were doing everything and why it was in this order and um, why, you know, you're not going to do this a couple days in a row or whatever, whatever, and focusing on that long-term growth and sustainability. I think sometimes, you know, we want to like try something new. So we go 150% at it and then it's just like too much and you have to focus on 
the long-term growth plan that's more sustainable instead of just being like hot and heavy. Um, so I'm definitely like, I pulled up some of my old workout packets from college um, and I'm not going to run 300s ever again, but uh, just like having that sort of breakout of uh, sort of like a running and then a hit movement and a lift and uh, just sort of the cadence of that has been helpful. And then friends too, like I'll text my friends who are coaches and trainers and ask them for, um, for stuff all the time. Um, like Shelby Fredericks is a great example. She'll, I'll ask her for like a circuit and she'll ask me what I want to target or what I want to work on. And then she'll send me like a full, uh, you know, plan in like five minutes, which, yeah. um, is definitely a perk of our friendship and I don't take it for granted. So, uh, yeah, I think learning from all over, but really focusing on that, like week to week, month to month plan, instead of just like today, I'm going to do abs for so long that I can't ever laugh again, which yeah. is like not a great idea. Right. You've tried, so it seems like you've obviously tried a lot of different things. If you had to pick one thing that you've added to your, to your life and habits in the past, like five years, that's had the number one most positive impact on you and whether it be in or outside of lacrosse, but just with all these different things that you've tried, what, what would you say is the number one thing that has been the most positive impact for you in terms of things you've tried out? And it's a big question. Um, hard hitting. It is hard hitting. I think I would say from like a mentality perspective, just like being really honest about progress. Mm -hmm. um, and progress, it sometimes has like a nonlinear path, just like I think even like career trajectory and, and playing time or like whatever's going on with you, like, again, it's going to be its own journey that's specific and unique to you. So you have to be willing to be transparent and honest with yourself. Um, you know, if you're coming up short or if, uh, you know, you're, you're acting out of character or, um, you know, you're not giving enough to, you know, this relationship in your life or this skill that you said that you wanted to build and develop, but like, you're not really doing it. Like just sort of, scheduling that time to really look inward has been very valuable for me. Um, and I've been able to access it in a couple different ways, like whether it's like journaling, writing, um, just, you know, looking in the mirror or, uh, I do like two things. So one thing I do is like, I have a personal holiday, which I recommend that everyone adopts and it could be your Jersey number if it's, falls in the days of the month or whatever number you choose. So every month on the 23rd, I have like a little personal day, even if I'm going into the office or I have a game or whatever, but every month I just make sure that I am checking in with myself. I'll treat myself to a coffee or like a scoot around the park, you know, with a jam and playlist or uh, something like that to just like schedule the moment uh, mm -hmm. to check in with yourself so that you can you know, have those inward conversations. Um, and then it also comes out for me through music. So like I sing and songwrite, uh, you know, on the, on the side of the side, um, which has been like really therapeutic for me. So just like figure out what works for you. And, and that's something that works for me. Um, and I can do consistently. 
uh, as long as I schedule the time. That's awesome. I like that. Yeah, I love that. Every month. Yeah, well, it's great because it's like it's frequent enough uh, that you can sustain it, right? And that you have something to look forward to. Um, But it's infrequent enough where it still feels really special. And sometimes it sneaks up on you, which is my favorite. And you look down and you're just like, oh my God, it's the 23rd. Like, (laughs) I'm going to go take a walk, you know? So yeah. You check out, do you kind of just like check out from like all like other people and like social media on that day and just kind of like just keep to yourself or you try to incorporate some other people on into your personal holidays or how do you do that? Yeah, I think it depends. I think um, that's the other beauty about like how flexible it is and, and how you do get it every month of the year. So like, I think I'll have a, a moment of reflection that um, is consistent throughout and I'll just like figure out what I need. And if it's alone time, I'll take alone time. If it's social time, I'll schedule social time. Or if it's, you know, reconnecting with family over Zoom or, you know, FaceTime or anything like that, I'll do it. Maybe it's baking a pie, like one of my favorite things to do ever. Like, I think staying really flexible with it um, to give yourself that opportunity to that opportunity to like zero in on what you need, but have it be structured enough where you're not just going to be like, oh, like that's stu- that's a stupid thing I came up with when I was you know 25 and now I'm 26. When did you when did you come up? When did you start doing this? Um, we well we we had a different variation of it when uh, I was a freshman in college where we had a group of like, I think there were 10 freshmen or 11 freshmen, and we would try to schedule a dinner once a month um, because everyone was always in different classes and different dorms and, um, you know, we all were, were sharing this experience together. So we tried to do something monthly and uh, just getting in the, the comfort level of like, scheduling something like I, I knew that the monthly time period worked for me so then I think later in my career like maybe junior or senior year when I was living off campus and had like a bit more autonomy on how I was spending my day um I would that's when it sort of started for me and then I've carried it all the way through and I share it with everyone so it's always someone's jersey day or their personal holiday whatever you want to call it I like it I like it. You mentioned going just like some like ups and downs and like being able to just kind of look yourself in the mirror through the ups and downs. Do you have any like vivid failures that stick out to you that kind of helped lead to success and you were really able to kind of look inward and kind of dissect and then what you kind of took from that, but any like vivid failures that kind of stick out and kind of helped lead you whether you knew it or not, but looking back kind of helped set you, set you up for, for yourself and success in the future. Totally. I mean, disclaimer, like I think I failed at something every day, which was like a goal of mine to make failure a bit more accessible Mm -hmm. uh, and less daunting. You know, if we like, because failure is a part of growth, right? So if we're never failing, it means that we're very much within our comfort zone. It doesn't mean that you're like the best or you're a perfectionist. It's like, okay, like you're good here. Now, like, let's widen that. Let's challenge. Let's, um, take some of the like weight off of failure and actually look at it as an opportunity to then pivot. So um, I've had a couple pivots, (laughs) but like of things that didn't, you know, work out traditionally. Like I remember um, 
coming in freshman year and I was two years behind Alyssa Leonard, who is like game changing draw control specialist. And so I had my freshman year and my sophomore year with her. Um, and then she graduated and I was sort of training behind her to become this like next, you know, hands-on draw specialist. And I was so inconsistent, you know, by the time it, it came to be my job to, to be that focal point. Um, and it's not because like I wasn't putting the time in or maybe, you know, my reps weren't focused or maybe it was just like the game was changing or what have you, but I failed at that job. Um, and it pivoted into this really wonderful opportunity to then help, you know, the next person come along, which happened to be Shelby Fredericks, who I know you spoke with. Um, and she was amazing, you know? And so it gave me, and I, as a competitive person, you know, it, it was a real mental struggle to, um, it wasn't even my torch to pass, right? Because I never even had it, but like to swallow my pride and say, you know what? I want to be the best teammate possible. Like I couldn't nail this skill. I was like, I would get like a great one, like one out of nine. <laughs> and then the others were just like so hard to predict. And that's not what you want out of the position. And it turned into such a great, um, you know, teammateship and friendship and, you know, I, I wouldn't change that failure for the world. Um, and then even I think about like what I was studying in school, like I was pre-med uh, all the way through my sophomore year. I think right at the end I made a change because um, I always wanted to be a veterinarian. And I remember, this is my, my vivid memory, was I finished like a really long practice in a lift and I had to run across campus in cleats and like full practice get up to a biology exam and I ran I got into the lecture hall and I sat down for this like three hour multiple choice exam where the choices were like A through M like <laughs> and every single answer was like oh it could be A B C but not D and sometimes K and I I just like had a total breakdown um and so that, like, I, I failed at being pre-med. Like, they always say, like, chem and, and bio, like, those are the weed-out courses. Like, I was a weed. I was weeded out. <laughs> um, but it gave me this great opportunity to pivot into a totally different undergraduate school. And then I started studying something called learning and organizational change, which is essentially, like, the sociology of business and understanding team dynamics and... Uh, how organizations, you know, as big as a four, Fortune 500 company to as small as our college team or our pro team or even my family, like how we deal with environmental change. And um, it, it totally repositioned my, my career and my interests. And um, so I think, you know, failure shows you something that you didn't see before. And then it's on you to make the right decisions with that new information, right? So how would those, so you talked about how those failures led to ultimately like the best thing for you. Uh, and it was probably tough, honestly, maybe losing those draws or 
in that situation or failing that test, what were the initial thoughts of like, were there initial thoughts of doubt on yourself or was it like, all right, I need to do this now? Was it immediate? How did that sort of process go post failure? Yeah, I think, I think it's all of those. And I think um, like you can't skip any of those stages because they're all crucial to whatever your outcome is. Right. So um I think sometimes you need that self-doubt to then have the confidence coming out of it when you know that you've already analyzed, you know, everything about yourself, what your skills are, where you need to improve, right? And then you feel super confident in uh, making like an informed solution, right? And an informed um, path to success from there. Um, yeah, I think... I think you just have to be super honest with yourself um, and also seek help from others. Like the vulnerability, I think is something that a lot of people struggle with. Um, and I don't know when it was ingrained in me, you know, for a short while that like asking for help was a bad thing. Cause it shows that like, maybe you don't know what you're talking about or you're, um, you know, maybe you think it's a stupid question or whatever it is, but you, I found so much more opportunity in asking for help. And, uh, you know, one, because you're going to get answers that you really need and the help to get, you know, whatever sort of solutions and path you're working on. But two, it also opens up uh, the people around you to have the same vulnerability, right? So then we can form deeper relationships and uh, be better teammates, be better coaches, because we understand each other more. Um, so it's the vulnerability, it's the honesty. You definitely can't skip any stages when you're going through all that stuff. But I think just anchoring yourself also in who you are, what your core values are, um, and what your goals are. Yeah. So with that, um, just to dive more into it, I think it's just so crucial. And I think everybody's going to deal with failure at one point or not, mm -hmm. uh, whether how big it is. Uh, but for you and everyone's different, you said you internalized things and sort of went back and forth, had those doubts and, and talked to people. Could you sort of go back to those times and see like maybe exactly who you spoke to or how you sort of verbalized it to them on how that sort of process went? Cause I think that's the most important part is learning from us. Yeah, I think that's a really great point. Um, and I'm happy you asked because I, I, even in some of the things that I engage with, it's, it like tells you, you know, the headlines, but not the, not the how to's. Right. So, um, I would, I had strong relationships with my assistant coaches, my head coaches, of course, but I think sometimes when it comes to like the on the ground, um, experience and, and view and vision, it, it was my assistant coaches for guidance. Um, and, academic advisors, athletic advisors, a lot advisors, like a lot of um, schools have access to like a sports psychologist and, and professionals in that way. Um, I would also tap into teammates. Like I remember one time um, I wanted to work on being like more vocally positive in practice because I found myself like just kind of getting in my head and getting down. So I thought of who was the most positive person on our team and like someone that I wanted to emulate. 
and it was uh, a girl two years ahead of me, Caroline Gersick. And so I came up to her before practice and I said, can you hold me accountable to what I want to accomplish today in this next two hours? Like you, I always like to like share sort of the context, right? So I explained to her where I was at. I explained to her what I admire in her, right? And then, and then I asked of her, can you, you know, just like watch and, and check me, you know, um, if you, if you see me like dipping down into being in my headspace again, and she did, and it was amazing. And, um, I think, you know, just like creating regular opportunities of, of the ask again, it's sort of like the failing fast and failing often it's communicate, uh, purposefully and often. So, even if you're in class or at your family dinner table or wherever you are, like, I think it could be really easy to check out or like go on your phone or, you know, be a part of the conversation, but just like kind of being like, yeah, like how's school? Good. You know, challenging ourselves in these daily conversations, um, to be super present, be active listeners and active contributors. Um, I think it, it can be, way easier than to manage a conversation like that or a harder conversation about, you know, any sort of trauma in your life or anything like that. So just like, I always tried to be more frequent with it. Um, and then also reach out to like different groups of people just to have multiple perspectives. Right. Yeah. I love that. I mean, from my personal experience in college, that was definitely one thing that definitely like sticks out to me is just like, I never had like the balls like go out and like ask people for help or just like feel like I could like just come and like just reach out to people and just like get other people's opinions and just like I just like internalize it all and just like obviously just didn't work out great for me and that's like a big reason of why we're trying to do stuff like this now. Um, when you when you like kind of reach out like ask your your the person above you to like actually hold you accountable and like make sure you were kind of going in the right direction and following their footsteps a little bit. What were some things that you kind of learned from that experience or was there anything that like she pointed out to you that like ended up being a big change or anything that you just weren't noticing before and like reaching out to people and having them actually, when you started like being more vocal about this stuff and just more outgoing about it all, what did you learn from that? Like that you weren't doing before just from a personal perspective? Yeah, I think, um, like it turned into like a little bit of a shadowing opportunity, even though like, like I was asking her to watch me, but I was also like watching her throughout practice to just like see, yeah. you know, what she was doing even during a water break, you know, who she was talking to. Um, and I learned a lot about, and this happened, you know, a couple different times uh, for different reasons, but like I learned a lot about uh, developing your own style, you know, of being a teammate and of being a leader um, and of being a follower, like just, tapping into sort of all of these different situations, whether you're on the field, in the game, on the sideline, uh, in a huddle, locker room, pregame, postgame, um, sort of like exploring in yourself what feels really authentic to you uh, and then consistently, you know, practicing that. So like I was never uh, a super vocal, you know, locker room person. I was like a chill out, low-key playlist uh if i get too hyped like i'm gonna freak out and drop every single ball that you pass to me so like very 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 low-key and that worked for me and when uh you know 
the game was on the line, right? I'm not going to be the person that's in the huddle getting everyone like hyped up. I'm going to be the person. Uh, and that's like Caroline was where it's on the sideline and you're having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with someone about like getting them pumped. Right. Or this is what we need to do. Let's work together or something like that. So I think I learned from her is just like, be you, you know, um, be you consistently and um, sometimes just like take the focus off of yourself, you know, and, and look at who's around you. Think about, you know, your common goal that you're working towards that day or for the season, uh, you know, cause you are a part of something so much bigger than yourself. So sorry if you're getting some ambient noise from the, the home office. Um, but yeah, to just like be, be, you know, an authentic voice. Um, and again, it's like that ripple effect of you start that and then like that, having that first conversation and it just expanded into, you know, now we're all having these separate conversations and we're all coming into a huddle. And again, it's like all of those points of connectivity that uh, just deepen and strengthen so that when you do have a game on the line situation, it's not like you have to drum up chemistry like that, right? Like you have all of these different situational experiences that you can draw upon and uh, feel really confident about to be able to execute in real time. That's awesome. I think, and I appreciate you sharing the vulnerability part. That's honestly, that's huge. And just for people to hear that, I think it's inspiring in itself. Uh, I guess in talking about like your weaknesses and being authentic, being genuine and and we talked about sort of sports uh, translating to your work and your everyday life. Uh, were there times, because like, honestly, when you're on a team, they ask so much of yourself, they're like, hey, be like this more. And you get away from it, like, oh, that's not me. Were there times, I guess, playing or even maybe in your job space now or any, like a kid going to a new school, uh, stuff like that, where you were like, I'm not myself right now. Mm -hmm. sort of Notice those things. Were, were there any moments I guess, in your uh, time doing that, whether you're a leader or a follower at that point, uh, if you could share those, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, I think in a, in a couple of different layers, right? So when you get into college uh, or, you know, whatever level you're, you're competing at, or even in the professional world, I've experienced, um, you know, like you have these very clearly defined roles. And at some point you get into a role and I think sometimes like you're mentally restricted in this is my job. This is my job. I just have to do my job. And then, you know, the team will be successful. If everyone just does their job, then we'll be successful. And um, sometimes like then the opportunity presents itself to do uh, a new task or a new job. And you're like, oh, like, that's not, that's not my job, like whatever, whatever. But I think you have to be like super fluid in whatever the bigger picture is. So even for me coming in, um, I was a midfielder my whole life, like whole life always was on both sides of the ball. Um, and then I came into college and I looked at the roster and Northwestern was, they had like 40 midfielders on the team. Right. And I was looking at the sideline during one of our, our, you know, scrimmages in the fall, freshman fall and midi lines were like, there were like five midi lines. And then I looked over at defense 
and there was this strong core of defenders like Taylor Thornton, Gabby Flibbett, Christy Turner, Carrie Harrington, um, like really, really strong Northwestern players. And sometimes they would cycle through the midfield and whatnot, but there was a spot open in defense. And I was like, traditional, like I technically do play defense like for 50% of the time. Um, and while I was always midi, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to focus on getting on the field. So I'm going to go on over to defense. Uh, fell in love with that group. Um, got so much, you know, coaching and mentorship out of that group. Uh, and then got on the field, contributed as a freshman. Um, and then from there, moved into midfield, played even attack for a couple of weeks. And then they were like, no, go away. <laughs> and then came back, you know, into midfield uh, and then finished my senior year um, back on the defensive end. And now I'm playing defense, of course, in the pro league. So I think it's, it's just, you know, one example of thinking you are something um, and then responding to the environment. I think just be, be flexible with yourself and always be expanding your skills um, and just seek out opportunity, right? Like you can always wait for opportunity to come, but you're not guaranteeing anything for yourself. But if you, if you create your own opportunity, like be the best person at ground balls so that when the team or something like at the best of taking charges, that was like my claim to fame. Like I, from my basketball years, will throw myself in front of someone running a hundred miles an hour, set my feet shoulder width apart and just knock it on back. Like be so great at that. Um, safely. Uh, just like expand your skills and, and realize you're who you are. Isn't like what you do, you know, it's more about um, evolving again, like, your core values, your relationships, your, um, your, your personality traits. And so I think you'll realize that sort of just like how there are a number of colleges that'll work well for you, um, or whatever, you know, your, your path is out of high school, um, that you are so much bigger and more applicable, you know, into this world. And so, just sort of like you have to tap into and activate different parts of yourself. Of your, so you've obviously with like evolving as a person through your time through college, outside of college and everything you've learned, how have your, how's your goal setting kind of evolved throughout your, your career, your life from before college through college to now, like kind of what do your goals look like and how have they kind of evolved throughout all the things that you've kind of, as you've evolved as a person, I guess. Yeah, um, I think as a benefit to, you know, my, my educational background um, and all of this sort of like framework of, of learning, that was a big part of it. And whether you're working on personal goals or corporate or team goals or whatever, what have you, um, it's important to make them like super clear and distinguishable uh, to make them like very measurable is another thing um, where they don't have to be like quantifiable per se, but having like sort of a staging, which then sort of like doubles down as your plan to get there. But like, okay, if my goal is, I don't know, maybe it's even like a, like a marathon, like my brother ran a marathon last year. So like his goal was a certain time. So his training plan was designed, you know, to, to get there. 
Um, or for me personally, like my clear and priority goal right now is to like get a job, but not just that it's to find, you know, a new boss who we have like a fit between our styles of, of management. Right. Um, or finding a company that is, uh, doing something or represents something that I'm really passionate about, right? Like be as specific um, as you can with setting these goals, uh, but in a way that it doesn't require you to get from A to B in a straight line, right? Again, it's always going to be on that uh, topsy-turvy journey to just like figure out what makes sense. Um, I think like the specific goals that I've been setting they kind of just map to, you know, what's, what's happening in my life and those milestones. Um, I would say it's important and I've tried to do this, but I think I'm getting better at it now. Like having goals on every different, like sort of layer of your human experience. Right. So you might have a daily goal or a weekly goal, um, for, you know, practice or your activities or your season or whatever is going on like in your immediate personal life but then like have a goal on your relationships have a goal on your family like have a goal on education have a goal like have sort of like all of these different layers um to how you're looking to grow because ultimately that's the point of having the goals right it's not to just like do it and then check a box because uh one of my favorite things that Kelly and Scotty at Northwestern always shared with us was, you know, you're either moving forwards or you're moving backwards. You're never staying the same because, you know, if you take an off day or you check out or you say, okay, I satisfied that and now I'm done. Uh, someone else out there is working harder. So you're just, they're moving forward. So even though you kind of stayed the same that day, you like in relation to that person or that group or group of people, whatever, um, you're moving backwards. So just always be, learning when you talked about like just finding like at least with like your goal of like finding a job and just like what you're looking to get out of that did you have like a bad experience with like your last job kind of where like their values weren't really aligned with you or because obviously I think when like people are thinking about like getting a job first for say like I, I think a lot of people don't even like really look into that stuff as much and maybe they and then they get to the job and they're like okay I hate this job now did you kind of, how did you kind of figure out like to put so much value on that? And how do you kind of go about trying to identify how the company lines up with, with your personal values, I guess, kind of. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think, I think the first thing is like throwing yourself into a couple different experiences to figure out what works and what doesn't for you so that you can get closer to like what you want. So like my first gig out of college was a huge company, right? Mm -hmm. So I went from that to a really, really small company and both were considered innovative, you know, in their, in their own respect. Um, but they each faced their own challenges just based on size and growing pains. And, um, I think when you think about how, you know, a career is, is changing and being redefined with this generation, you know, long gone are the days where you get in, you put in 25, 30 years and you get out, right? Like it's turning into uh, creating this like 
very compelling, rich, you know, story with a number of pivots and it's a passion project and, you know, you're, you're beyond the nine to five schedule and you realize how much time you're putting in uh, to do the work and to be a team member and an employee and all of these things. Um, why should we treat it any other way than we would evaluate other relationships in our lives, you know, with activities or with uh, people or what have you. So I think recognizing, you know, you're going to be here for so many hours of so many days for so many days of the year, whatever, whatever. Uh, let's not just make it an okay experience. Right. And so I do, I think finding it is hard. Um, and I don't think every place has everything that you're looking for. And I think, you know, I would love to down the road, maybe run my own company, like who knows, start something. Um, so going through the effort of like, just learning about core values, like even my last company, I was, I joined so early on um, that we didn't even have that sort of mission, vision, values uh, created yet. So just doing some research on what those are, you know, what they mean, and why they're significant at each phase of this company growth was really important um, and definitely worth looking into for anyone who hasn't had experience with understanding what those mean. Um, and then as far as figuring out who has what you want or what you don't want so that you don't you know, get there and it's a big surprise, like I'm always working in culture and behavioral questions into uh, interviews and I'm having now a ton of informational interviews, which I highly recommend and I'm really enjoying um, To just really ask people about their experience and I found that they're really honest about it And it's all in the way that you phrase a question, right? So it's not it's trying to get away from those yes or no questions of you know Have you ever felt this way or does the company represent this? It's more from your experience you know, how, how have you seen the core values of this company present themselves in, in moments of um, uncertainty with the company or when you're facing challenges, do those core values come through or, um, you know, how would you describe like the coronavirus has been a great lead, not great, but like a lead into a situational question of how has company culture translated into remote working? And how do you feel supported as a team member? How are you supporting people as a team member? Um, so I think just creating open-ended questions, which are targeted enough to lead people into the direction that you want to go, but then just like being open to whatever they share with you. I like it. I like it. It's going off of just kind of the asking companies about how they've kind of handled corona and stuff like that what's been your biggest positive takeaway from times of covid and has there any been anything that you weren't doing before and now you're doing more of now during the times of corona and everything and you're going to continue to do afterwards or what's been the silver lining for you kind of yeah i think um it's given us all a time to and me personally to really like take a beat um, like I haven't, I think about even going back through college, back through high school before, like even middle school, like I haven't had a summer in years, you know, um, to really like 
mentally reset, physically, emotionally reset, uh, you know, check in on my relationships, like to do so, you know, while it's sunny, while, you know, it's just like, it's been really nice, um, to explore things creatively, to just like have the time. Um, because I was always at tournaments or coaching a camp or playing at a camp or doing something. So it's just been so crazy for so long. And I'm sure you guys can relate to that. So it's been weird because I'm realizing that I've never had to manage that much free time on my own. So getting into a schedule, getting into a routine um, has definitely been a a challenge and an opportunity also. Um, And I think just, you know, feeling an overwhelming sense of of gratitude for people, you know, around me, um, even if I know them, don't know them. Like, when I was recording these uh, Instagram lives every Wednesday, it's so funny because we had them scheduled for seven o'clock. And I didn't realize when we were scheduling them that that was the same down to the minute time that everyone in New York City opens up their windows, screams, claps, bangs, pots and pans in support of all of the first responders and healthcare professionals, who are aiding in the fight against coronavirus. And so every Wednesday I was out there and, you know, starting my like, hey guys, like welcome to the Instagram live and just feeling this overwhelming and chilling uh, feeling of community um, and gratitude for being in the moment, being where your feet are, being very present um, and just trying to make the most. So I think I'm, I'm hoping to take that mentality with me when I get back into a busier, more hectic schedule and always sort of taking the time to connect with people, even if it's a quick phone call. Um, And where I think in the past, I've been very like nonspecific with my language for people or like, you know, just checking in or, you know, I hope you know how much I care about you or something like that. And actually telling them, be like, hey, here are a couple things that I appreciate you know, in you, I have the time to tell you, I'm going to do it. Um, I have really enjoyed that as well. That's awesome. I sort of wanted to go back to, uh, I think like the most important thing in life is obviously is stepping out of your comfort zone. And you talked about like your college experience of, you saw an opportunity uh, to play defense. You're like, screw it. Like I got nothing to lose. I'm going to do it. And Mm -hmm. I think like for a kid or anybody, if they see opportunity, like that is the most important thing to just jump into head first. Uh, were there times, I guess, before that even, that maybe you were forced to do by your parents or you're like, oh, I want to do this, that you sort of stepped out of your comfort zone, that you felt that awkward feeling. And a lot of time kids with their headspace, they're like, oh, I'm not going to like this. I'm not going to like this. And they force themselves not to like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of times they end up turning around and be like, wow, this is great for me. Uh, were there any moments, I guess, growing sports or school-wise that you sort of stepped out of your comfort zone and found something you like, that you liked? Yeah, I have like sort of a reverse answer, um, which is, so I always played like a bunch of sports growing up, but I was also like heavily involved in dance from when I was like two. Um, and I started out with like ballet, tap, and jazz. And then I dropped jazz because I had no rhythm. And then I dropped tap because it was too loud to practice inside. And I stuck with ballet um, all the way up through like eighth grade, I think I made it to. Um, And 
I, when I started out, I loved it. And, um, my parents loved it. And like, everyone was so supportive. Um, and it was like this great, you know, thing that was separate from all of my other worlds. Uh, and it gave me such great, you know, body control and vision. Like I always am trying to connect with like multi-sport, you know, learning in, in what I'm coaching. And I learned how to like spot in a pirouette and how important, you know, maximizing your vision is and even just posture and everything like that. Um, and then I started to hit that like middle school, like self-conscious phase. And I wanted to, I expressed interest in wanting to quit and I never quit anything in my life before. Um, and my mom specifically was like, she recognized the value in it. And she was trying to, you know, keep me, keep me in the program. Um, and I don't know if it was like when social media was starting to bubble up or like, like my group of friends, like, I don't know what it was where I started to like, not want this part of me or like, I didn't want to be in like tights and a leotard. Like, I'm not sure what it was. Um, but it started to eat at me and then it was, it became like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And then I dropped it. Um, and I think that was my biggest regret was like letting the discomfort, discomfort zone, if you will, like letting that win out. Um, because I think I really would have benefited from staying in that and like for so many different reasons, but, um, I think, you know, it, that was an experience where I just sort of caved, you know, and I quit and it's such a bummer um, because some opportunities you don't get back, you know, and that I think is an important lesson to learn too. Um, and it's all about how you respond. But so that, that's one I, I would take back if I could. You think it was just like the outside like perception and like pressure of like, doing ballet even though like you deep down kind of loved it before and then you just you think it was just the other people that didn't really accept it or why'd you kind of get those feelings yeah I'm not sure I think partially that um I think there was some anxiety going into high school of course and making that transition um and starting to be like much more concerned with how I would be perceived and what my image was and like body image and um, all of the pressures that come along with that. And I think I just felt like it was, it was too much. And, um, and I don't even know why, because like, it's such a great addition looking back. Um, and I think like my friends in both programs were really different and they like, it was sort of like, Oh, why do you do that? And I was like, the sports friends would be like, Oh, why do you do ballet? And then the ballet friends would be like, why do you do sports? And I was just like, I don't know what we guys <laughs> like. <laughs> um, so I think just like n not being so confident and taking chances, um, definitely hurt and hindered me. Um, so yeah, it was definitely something to do with like image or like, then I got it in my mind and my heart that like, I wanted to do it. I wanted to quit. So I was just like, I'm quitting. And that was like my active rebellion growing up. Cause otherwise I was like a very lame square and just like, was so nervous about getting in trouble. Um, so I think that was like my way of acting out, like sticking it to the man, which was my mom. <laughs> That's awesome. I like it.
what uh what kind of keeps you up at night these days if you uh like what kind of gets you restless and then on the flip side of that when you do feel kind of overwhelmed or unfocused what do you like to do to kind of unwind um i mean i think there's so much uncertainty in the air right now in general um and a lot to cope with and a lot to deal with you know in the world in the country in my own friendships and relationships and so i think you know what keeps me up is just all of all of that uncertainty and 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 hope too i think both keep me up but like hope that we will use all of this you know light and exposure with everything that's going on with black lives matter um or everything that's going on just you know in an election year um to reconsider the way that we look at the world and the way that we look at each other um and i think i do have concerns just about you know people in my life and um you know i'm, I'm a big worrier uh definitely inherited that from my mom as well um so i think just that that uncertainty and i don't think we're at a place yet where we have like a confident foundation of how we're going to get to the next place right now we're in the that like pre-foundational phase where it's like exposing everything uh before you know that change can happen so i think there's some anxiety and angst in that phase that is purposeful because it's supposed to make you you know uncomfortable because it's shaking up everything that you've known right formally informally um so i think I'm, I'm hopeful that we can shift into a positive direction and you know just like we've seen so much industry shift and disruption in the past decade 20 years um that we can use those experiences to just reimagine infrastructure you know across the country and around the world and uh especially when you consider social issues right and then how do i cope um uh, i think i probably just like lean more heavily into music again like whether it's listening or playing um i, th I find a lot of uh calm and value in that um or just like getting outside, getting fresh air, uh, and then opening up myself up to new experiences and um, trying to just learn from people around me. I think there's so much, they, what do they say, like knowledge is power. Um, I think, you know, all of the the knowledge and the exposure that's coming out, not, not that it's just coming out now, but that's getting, you know, national coverage. Um, you're also unearthing all of this very rich storytelling of uh triumph and success and meaning and emotion and things like that so i think um just trying to again like find the hope in all of it and then plan for that next phase of activism what are some things you're looking to try like you want to in the future coming up just with you trying to make the most of everything what are some things that you want to kind of try or possibly mess around with and add more into your life if anything hmm i think it's been tough because new york has been like very closed um so and i mean so is everywhere but uh i think when things open up again 
I want to travel again. I want to like see some new places again. Like I haven't had this time off in a while. And so while I'm still like very actively hunting, like I understand that as soon as I get into my new position, like I'll probably won't be taking time off for the foreseeable future. Mm -hmm. So I think, um, I don't know, just like visiting a new city or even just like doing some research or trying to like brush up on some foreign language skills, uh, is always a great one. Trying some new recipes. We're getting very chefy in this household. Uh, so that's been pretty fun. Um, I, yeah, I think just like craving really uh, tactile experiences is big for me always. Um, finding moments to unplug and just like kind of enjoying. Yeah, in the moment. Yeah, exactly. All right, should we start, uh, start wrapping it up a little bit? we got hour and a half so far you guys this is such a great show so far you've been doing great oh thanks i guess you just, uh, to kind of wrap up we like to ask people this is uh we get this from tim ferris if you could uh put something on a billboard and if you, there, you had a billboard that billions of people were going to see if you could put something on that billboard what would you put on it be yourself be yourself mm-hmm I think you kind of, I was going to say if you could just explain that, but I feel like this whole conversation has been <laughs> made. That's well, I'll explain backstory for you. When I took, why that specific phrase, when I took uh, the trip with the WPL to Japan, we visited an art museum. Like we had a day to do whatever we wanted. So like Dana Dobie found all these really cool spots um, to for us to explore like an underground arcade and like all the stuff. <laughs> How did you find this? and took us to an art museum that had the most amazing view of Tokyo, um, but also in one of the exhibits, there was this room where it was uh, like chalk and oil painting all over every single wall. So you would come in and put on like these little shoes where you wouldn't get your shoes dirty. And then you wrote messages and there were all these different languages and whatever. And, and that's what I wrote on that version of, you know, a billboard for everyone to see. So that to me is really important. Like it, I like it a lot, Connor. Anything awesome. else? Yeah. yeah, this was honestly an awesome conversation. We dove in deep to some vulnerabilities and some uh, good stories. So I can't thank you enough. This was great. Well, thank you guys. It was um, you asked really great questions, and it was um, I was very nervous for rolling into it. it doesn't come naturally <laughs> to me, but I I had a, such a great time, and uh, I would be happy to connect you with some other folks if you want to feature them um because i think what you're doing is great and it's important you know again like you said like that playbook um of, of training and growth and development and how it looks so different for everyone and there's such a comfort in that i think as a as a young person whether you're a, a girl or a guy or uh however you identify um to just realize that everyone has their own path and their own journey and you don't have to be any other way but yourself. Right. hundred percent. And we want to be sort of like, we're all in great positions. Like you're very successful. Shelby's very successful. Like there's no better people to go to than uh, you two uh, as coaches for a kid. Uh, you guys are in the best position possible to coach them. So that's what we're trying to do. Make that connection. So. Yeah, it's fantastic. I can't wait to uh, follow along. Anything you think we, uh, Anything you think we missed that we could have asked you that you want to get off your chest? 
I just read, well, I was, it was so funny that you asked that because I was reading up on like what informational interview questions I should be asking. And one of them was always that. And I was like, oh, I'm going to add that into my own repertoire. Um, I don't think, I'll, I'll let you know, I'll think on it and I'll let you know. I'll put some more focus thought behind it. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. If you could just, 